All right, welcome back to Relish the Journey. As always, I'm your host, Miles Biggs, and this is the podcast where we highlight the many different pathways of life and business and the stories that every person has to share. My guest this week is Dave Cooper, and Dave and I go way back as, an, as acquaintances, I would say, and really became good friends and have a great working business partnership with podcasting and his video vlogs. Spent a lot of time together in Las Vegas at the International Builder Show and have been working on some collaborations ever since those Her Stories and Housing episodes you've heard me do. Dave is involved in that project and he does the video portion. So this episode is going to dive into how he moved from being a combat medic in the Army to a consulting job with Johnson & Johnson to being a home builder and to now having his own marketing company focusing on blogs and how he can spread the word about all the innovations happening in the housing industry. Here's Dave. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. I know it's late for both of us, but I'm happy that we were finally able to record this conversation after talking about it for what feels like a very long time. So happy to have you on. Yeah, Miles, I, I appreciate being on. You know, we've talked about it for a while, so this is exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to finally have our late night coffee chat. Yeah, hopefully you're not drinking coffee, are you? You're never going to go to bed. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I have a little bit of decaf right now just because I wanted to make sure that uh, I had the feeling of being awake there you uh, go. Just, just to spend time with you. Sure. Oh, well, I'm honored. Thank you. Uh, so for people that have no idea who Dave Cooper is, right, let's set the scene. Give us your elevator pitch for who you are and, and what you're about. Yeah. So the elevator pitch is I have been a home builder for a lot of years that had a, a vlogging habit that's turned into a full-time gig. So uh, with, the, with the video pitches and what have you, I am now doing a full-time vlog where I'm connecting, growing, and delivering different results for the housing industry. And what I mean by that is I spend my time, just like you, Miles, connecting with people out there so I can tell their stories so we can deliver different results and, you know, strike a different conversation that's just happening out there. I love that. And that's a little bit about how we got connected. I mean, it definitely was through housing. The company I worked at previously was in housing and, and a company you had, you were working for or are working for was one of our clients. And that, so we knew each other for, I don't even know how long. It was sort of like at an acquaintance level. And then I feel like where we really that kind of pivoted into more of a, a working friendship and beyond was this past, uh, well, earlier in 2019 here in Las Vegas for the International Builder Show, where I uh, I don't even know if I told you this. I was trying to get you to have dinner with me because you were my only builder at the show, and I knew I was going to catch shit at work if I came back and they're like, well, who'd you, uh, who'd you entertain? And the answer was nobody that I just kept to <laughs> myself. So I was trying to track you down to make sure I got some FaceTime with you to thank you for your business and get to know you a little bit better. And we ended up at the House of Blues and I was helping you record videos. And then the rest is history from there. So it's, it's certainly been a fun couple of months since that. Yeah. Well, you know, it has been. And it, that is a funny story because as you were trying to track me down, uh, I was getting offered these tickets for this private concert at the House of Blues. And I immediately thought of you because you had the podcast and it turned into a really special event for us, you know, helping the veterans and and, and, and raising money for a great cause to build homes for wounded veterans. Uh, and then we had a special guest, right? Craig, Craig Morgan, the country singer, came off stage. Uh, and you got to do the camera gear with me and do the interview with me. So it really turned out to be a whole lot of fun and completely unexpected. Yeah, it really was unexpected. Because I didn't even know what the concert was. At that point, you probably could have said, Miles, do you want to go you know, stare at bugs on the ground? And I would have been like, yeah, Dave, let's do it. <laughs> so I just yeah. agreed to this private concert, not knowing who the concert was. And it was awesome. That was Craig Morgan because I'm a huge country fan. And then even cooler that we got to talk to him at like two in the morning or whatever it was at the end of the whole deal. Um, yeah, it, it really was a lot of fun. I, I just remember standing there and all of a sudden he walked off stage with all of his big bodyguards. And next thing you know, we were, we were scrambling to pull our stuff together and it worked out great. Yeah. For a split second as these, you know, redwood trees are walking towards us right these huge (laughs) huge guys i'm like oh man are we gonna get in trouble now and then he was really cool really down to earth that was that was a pleasant surprise yeah it it really was he's a very humble person craig morgan you know he's a veteran an emt you know so the guy's been around the block and understands it and it's just great that he gives so much time to to help the wounded veterans yeah it is 
And so let's let's dwell on that for a second. We can come back to the to the vlogging. I know that you are also a veteran. You were a combat combat medic in the army, right? That's correct. So so how did you how did that happen? I mean, what was the the path? Did you think you were going to be a doctor that you ended up being in a medical unit? You know, unpack that a little bit for me. Yeah, well, we're going back a ways, but in high school, I was never at that time mature enough and bound for college. So the military was my my gateway to to where I'm at today. And I had no idea I was going to be a medic. I didn't go in looking to be a combat medic. Uh, I tested, you know, I used to call it the ASVAB score, and I had a high enough score, and that was one of my options. And I chose it because it was a marketable thing for me to do when I were to get out of the military, right, as a paramedic, so to speak. Sure. So that's, that's kind of the gateway into being a combat trauma medic. And you know, lo and behold, that was in 1989, got out, uh, well, I can't say got out, got out of training in 1990, and then Desert Storm hit. So, you know, here I am signing up for the GI Bill, so to think, going for training, have a good Army career. Next thing you know, I was packing my bags and heading to the Middle East. Yeah, that'd, um, be, that'd be scary. Yeah, well, you know, it is scary, and anybody tells you it isn't, you know, it's full of it, but... Uh, you know, you're going with some guys that you spend a lot of time with and there there's a bond like no other, especially when you're told you're going into combat or you're going to a combat zone. You know, everything kind of changes at that point for you. And the, that's where the whole brotherly love comes in. You know, even to this day, we call each other brothers. But one of the one of the greatest experiences of my life, by all means, good and bad. So I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. And I'm sure if anything's going to take you know, an unruly kid who's maybe a little bit immature and not quite ready for college. If anything's going to make you grow up, it would be heading to the Middle East as a combat medic. Forces yeah, it you to grow up quick. It, well, it does force you to grow quick. I mean, the, the games all stop at that point, right? You still still joke around with your buddies, but the reality really does set in uh, when you start stepping off that plane into the desert and uh, you start thinking about life a little bit differently, for sure. Yeah, so how long were you over there? Uh, I have a couple tours over there, uh, but all together, I probably have almost two years in the Middle East, you know, got stationed in Camp Doha and Kuwait for a while, uh, and then just some other areas that, that we went to on rapid deployment. So you mentioned things that were good and bad. What was, you know, what was a silver lining in the whole experience over there? What was a, a fun moment or a, a happy memory that you have? Yeah, well, <laughs> So I'll give you a fun moment that everybody else thought was funny at the time, which I did not think was so funny. Okay. We went, we were, we went down, you know, it was the Persian Gulf and we were actually uh, had some Liberty and we rented some of those stand up jet skis. Nice. I had my camo on you know, my regular, you know, BDUs for being out in the field. So I stripped down to just my boxer shorts. So I had something dry to put on because we just had some Liberty and we went down and rented these. Well, I fell off the jet ski and lo and behold, my, my skivvies actually got lost in the water. Oh man. So we're in a country where you got to be pretty much clothed and all of my buddies thought it was the funniest thing in the world, but I had to walk my way up the beach. They would not bring, <laughs> bring my clothes to me with, with all the ladies and the kids and they were just laughing. So I gave, I gave the locals a really, really good show, but, uh, my ego was not so happy at the moment. So <laughs> sure. But, that, that's kind of a funny story. That is um, a funny story. But I, I, yeah, that's a good moment. But you know what? It's interesting, Miles. Some of my best moments are, best memories, I should say, are some of my worst moments, right? And and I say that in a way that the moment that it was happening and, and what we were dealing with was not great, but it's the camaraderie and the funniness that comes out of it you know, just when you're sitting there in the middle of some shit, if I can say that, you and all, you just look at each other and laugh. Like, is this really happening? You know, is, is this shit really blowing up around? You know, it's just, you just get to a moment where you find peace and, 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 and all of a sudden you just do what you got to do, you know, and that's your job. And you do it for the guy next to you or the girl next to you. And, and some of my greatest memories were those moments now that I'm looking back. Uh, because it's a time in life where uh, you you really became blood brothers. Sure. Whether you, whether you were bleeding or not, it, that that was the bond. That was it. You were you were you were all there. You did it together, and 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 hell or high water, you were trying to get home together. You know, so 
Um, that's why I think it's some of my best memories and, and some of my greatest friends today are still people that I met all those years ago. Yeah. And what, what strikes me with what you just said, you know, I didn't serve, so I can't draw a direct comparison, but as you described it, it's almost like when you're not thinking about yourself, you know, you said you're doing it for your, your brothers, right? If, when you're not thinking about yourself and you're doing it for the other guy next to you, it almost removes that element of fear. Cause you're not worried about you. You're worried about protecting somebody else. So you don't really have time to think about, you know, the shit blowing up around you. Like you said, you're focused on the task at hand to a certain extent. Well, that's it. It's, it's a hundred percent, right. You just, uh, you, you're trained to put what's happening kind of in the rear view mirror and focus on what has to happen. And, and that's, that's when the vision becomes very clear. So transitioning out of military life and then back to becoming a civilian, I imagine that had to be a mindset and a skill that you carried with you and still carry with you into, you know, the corporate world and now running your own business. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, it is. But it's, it's a hard transition. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when you're in the military, I was in for almost 10 years and you come out of the military after being told what you're going to wear every day. It's 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 hell trying to figure out what color tie goes with what color shirt and what color shoes and belt. Right. You didn't have to think of those things. Right. It makes everybody kind of dressed the same. Uh, and then then the other hard part is. You know, when you're told to be somewhere at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or any time, well, it means you're ready to go and you're there. When I came out and I ended up getting a corporate job, you know, it's, oh, well, the meeting will start at 7. But then everybody starts walking in at 7.30 or, you know, 7.40, you know, and you're almost irritated because you feel like your time was wasted because you're so engraved to you need to be where you need to be because if you're not, somebody could die. So that's how you live your life in the military, right? Time is very important asset and the timing of what you're doing is very important. So you do that for 10 years, you come out into the you know civilian world and you got to know how to dress and you got to be places and you got to do things. You're doing it with such an expectation of precision and you're going to be there when there's a whole lot of coffee shop, you know, cooler, what a cooler talk happening, as they say, versus, you know, we're getting down to business right away. And that, that, that's a hard thing to, to transition for a lot of, for a lot of people coming out of the service. Yeah, I bet. So how did you do it? I mean, was there a, was there a method to your madness that you kind of developed the system that helped you reintegrate? Cause I know I, I get what you're saying. You hear that often as a lot of people have trouble with that. So I'm curious how you were able yeah. to, to navigate. You know, it, it's, I just learned, you just keep doing it, right? You don't give up doing it and you, you, you just, you just got to keep doing it. There's there's no system really in place to say, hey, I know the meeting's going to start at seven, but I'm not going to stress out because I know it's not going to start till 730. I just found ways around it to make good use of my time. Uh, so and, and getting dressed. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I didn't meet my wife right away, but uh, I found some help to help me coordinate my stuff, you know, whether it was girlfriends or or what have you. So uh, that part got a little bit easier when I had a little bit of guidance. But there's no easy transition and, and veterans, even like myself, we struggle with it today. Timing, showing up on time, being late can make me physically just so angry because I hate being late so much. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's inevitable. I got a house full of kids and, and a beautiful wife and uh, they don't play by my rules all the time. <laughs> so. sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know how that goes a little bit. You got to roll, right? roll with the punches, yeah. Oh, you're, 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 you got a newborn. So, well, not really new anymore, but, uh, still, still very young. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's fun. They definitely keep you on their toes and, uh, realign your priorities, right? It's, it doesn't really matter what you have planned. They, they will do what they right. want to do. For so, sure. And so you mentioned corporate, right? And so you chose combat medic because you thought it'd be some marketable skills and you had mentioned paramedic. So did you do that at all as a civilian or how'd you find your way into the, the boardroom? Yeah, sure. So my my uh, my first job out, believe it or not, was with R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company down in Georgia. I was living in Athens, Georgia, and my job was a pretty cool job. It didn't pay very well, but I got to take corporate clients to the NASCAR races. So I had the pit passes and that was my job to take them, get them down there, show them around a little bit and then drop them off to the executives up in the boxes. Right. So 
I did that. That was my first gig getting out, which is not in the medical field, but my goal was to get in the medical field. So I was still interviewing. And about a year and a half after that, I met a gentleman named Dave Drake, who worked for Johnson and Johnson. And Dave uh, and I met, he was from Pittsburgh originally, where I'm originally from. So we had a little bit of a bond. My biggest problem was I didn't have the four-year degree that was required for this position at Johnson & Johnson, which was a spinal implant rep. So, But what I did have is a whole lot more training in the medical field than anybody who went to four years with a college ever had. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it was kind of great. This uh, Dave Drake, he literally said, I'm going to bring you on. Play stupid if anybody asks about your diploma. Right. And, you know, and it never it never, ever came up. Once people heard what I was doing, you know, in the military, it just wasn't a questionable thing. Nobody really cared. Uh, and that's how I ended up getting into the, the, the medical field for Johnson and Johnson. Uh, and it was great because I was training when I got done learning the product. My job was to train neuro and orthopedic spine surgeons in spinal implant techniques. So what does that mean? That means I rent cadavers, rent by cadavers is more the word. And, you know, cadavers bodies, you know, we'd buy torsos and where the spine's still intact. And we would run workshops and show them how to use the equipment to install, you know, uh, uh, vertical vertebrae implants, spinal uh, plates, whatever the case is. And, and I did that for, you know, close to six, seven years and, and yeah, right up until about 2000, 2001. Wow. That's pretty wild. So, I didn't realize that was a thing where, you know, non, is non-doctors, right. Or training doctors on procedures. That's interesting. Yeah. It re- well, it really is, you know, and it goes further than that. We're on call and we're in the operating room and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still that way today. And we would stand there with our laser, you know, pointers, and we'd be guiding the nurses on what the surgeon's going to want next. Uh, in a lot of instances, we'd actually be measuring the vertebral body size and recommending the screw size that they're going to actually put in to stabilize the spine. Wow. So it, it, it really is a high-level consulting job. It paid well, uh, but it's, you know, it's also a straight commission job. And I, I, I started finding it a little bit unethical after I got through a few few years of it. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, how does any four-year degree prepare you to do that at all? You know, it's, that's a little ridiculous that that even be a requirement. Um, well, that's funny. right. But I think it's their way of just kind of weeding out just anybody coming in. They need somebody with some, yeah. you know, some talent and some thought skills and social skills, right, yeah, for that fair. type of position. Yeah, that's fair for sure. Just not any Joe Schmo off the street can do that. So that's a good a good filter. Yeah, for sure. All right. So now we're getting closer to the vlog, but before we get there, we <laughs> got to go to, we got to go to home building. So what brought you from the operating room into, you know, the job site? Right. So when I was with J and J and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this and then we'll hop in, you know, uh, something a lot of people don't know about the, the medical industry, you know, Johnson and Johnson sells medical equipment, right? Medical products you're selling to a surgeon and when you're getting into spinal implants and they're, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, these cases, the, the surgeon wants you in the operating room with him for every case, if he's using your product. Well, as a, as a sales person or a consultant for Johnson and Johnson, they want you to grow your territory, right? It'd be like in the home building world, whereas in, in the manufacturers, they don't want you to just have one home builder. You got to have several home builders, right. right? Yep. It's the same concept. It's the 80-20 rule as well. You know, 80% of the business comes from 20% of the surgeons. But what started happening was you get pressure for Johnson & Johnson. you got to add more surgeons. You start adding more surgeons. And that surgeon says, the new one says, well, I operate on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That, you know, okay. And, but your, your other 20% that gives you 80% of your income operates on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you go and talk to the, your surgeon who you've been doing business for years with, and they say, if you're not here, I'm not using your product. Yeah. I know J&J wants you to sell something, but my job is this life on the table. Fair enough, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you got a decision to make. And you're straight commission. You live in, I, was in I, was, I had Manhattan and Jersey, so the cost of living was high. You just don't walk away from 80% of your income. And, and so I had another surgeon that had, uh, had cases that same day and I ended up canceling that job. Uh, and that's kind of when my internal feelings started, 
you know, dwelling on, I got to do something else. It's just, it's not ethical for me. I can't do that. I don't want to make that decision because I agree. The surgeon's responsibility is that patient on the table. And that should have been my responsibility too, if they're using my product. Right. Yeah. So I started flipping houses on the side and then I started getting uh, a little bit gutsier and I, I bought a piece of land and, and a, and a, and a neighborhood that was subdivided. And I started building a spec home. Well, next to me, a guy named uh, Ron Seaschultz and Sandy was his wife. Uh, they did a modular home. And, and that was my first taste of watching what modular does. But I was building the stick house and that modular home was up and done in a matter of a few months. And I didn't even have my sheetrock on the wall yet. <laughs> they had somebody living in it, sitting on their front porch, drinking coffee and I was still trying to get my electrical inspection. So I was doing, I was doing it on the side from the Johnson and Johnson, uh, ordeal. Uh, and then when September 11th hit 2001, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of when I made the switch. I had, I had a moment in life there where, uh, you know, that, that kind of changed a lot for me, changed a lot of my direction and saying, you know what, I got to do what's right for me and, and make myself whole and I really enjoyed doing what I was doing and flipping in the houses. I realized, you know what, if I did it full time, I know I could make just as much, if not more money as I was making as a full time spinal implant rep. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's how I ended up getting into the home building, building industry. And, uh, you know, I haven't, haven't, haven't really looked back, uh, haven't looked back since. And that's going on almost 18, 19 years ago. Wow. So when did the video recording start? How many years have you been doing that before it really started to take off here? Yeah. So the video recording started, it's almost four years, I believe, to be exact right now. And I was doing it to showcase our product where I was doing live feeds, just showcasing what we're doing. And it's kind of a funny story because we have a social media person, Angel, and she said to me, she said, Dave, you have to do video. And I'll never forget it. It was actually on like a Zoom call, like a video call. And I said, what, Angel? She goes, I know you're not going to like it, but you got to go do a Facebook live feed at one of your houses. I said, what? And that, that's how it all, all got started. You know, she said, you have to do it. I'm telling you, it's going to blow your business up. It's going to take you to the next level. It is what's happening. It's going to start trending be the first to market, right? Which is good for SEO and all that stuff. Right. She saw, I think she saw something in me that I didn't even know that I had in me at that time. Um, and that's what I did. I ended up uh, going to one of our local houses with my phone. And I'll never forget, I walked around for about two hours before I hit that live feed button, thinking about what I'm going to say, waiting for plumbers and stuff to leave the house. I just wasn't going to do it. Uh, and then I did it and it wasn't that hard. I got some views and then I did another one and another one. And before you know it, I, I don't know how many I have now, but I, I started building this whole uh, inventory of videos that we put up on YouTube and on our social media. And it just people were loving it. They were walking into our office saying, hey, you're the guy on YouTube or you're the guy on TV. And they started selling us our own product. I've watched all your videos. I love this. I love how you do that. I could see my family having that and our wife. My wife really wants this. And that's really kind of what gave me the bug saying, wow, there's really something here. This is pretty special. And just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I love a lot about what you just said. But backing up, the fact that it's four years and not that it's just taking off, but I know more than what you've said. And I know that it's really starting to take off right now for you. And to many people that don't know your story, it's that proverbial overnight success, right? It's, oh, this guy put up a couple of videos and now he's doing all this cool stuff. But there's years and years and years of honing your craft and really terrible view counts and, you know, probably questioning why the heck you're doing this before it really started to catch on. So that's kudos to you for, for doing it for so long. And really, I mean, you made money off building houses, but it's not like people were paying you to make these videos all that time. You were doing it to do it you know? So that's, yeah. that's great. I, I was, you know, and, and it really taught me a valuable lesson and, you know, it's not a one and done and nothing is right. It really isn't. It takes, it takes practice and it takes time, but really it just takes doing it scared. There yeah. isn't a time I don't pick up my camera, even to this day where I get a little bit nervous and I got to think about what I'm doing 
And if I'm doing a live feed versus one that maybe I don't have a good signal, you just do it. And you get more comments and I never really get bashed on anything. You know, it's just, you're just putting yourself out there. And if you're real and you're authentic, you know, which, which when you're doing it live, you are, people can see that. And, and it, it made such a difference for, for, for the business and for my life and what I'm doing. But the reality of it is, it's all about the content. You got to just keep putting it out there. And the more you put out there, the faster people will engage with you. And, and the more you become somewhat of a, of a, you know, what do they call it? A, a, an expert in your field, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to the eyes of people, because that's why do you think reality TV is so big, right? Everybody loves reality TV. They, they're tired of the canned marketing. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it has. It's grown into it's grown into something a lot bigger than I ever thought it would have. That's for sure. So back to Vegas then, because we're kind of full circle. Okay. I re- I remember you just seemed like you were cruising all over that exhibition floor with your camera, going up to a lot of different companies, just offering to do a two minute video for free. So why? I mean, what made you think to do that at a trade show where most people typically just go? grab their bag, their free swag that everybody gives out, you know, and then hit the casino. I mean, what, what gave you that idea to pack up your camera equipment and really work the show? Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of made a conscious decision. It was a few months prior to the Vegas show that the vlogging was, was really becoming a, a passion for me, something I lived and breathed. And through doing my own videos for the home building then I was doing a lot of customer testimonial videos, you know, and then I ended up in some areas where I did some expert interviews just, just to try it. And being able to connect with people and tell the story is what I found people were really interested in learning about. And I was having so much fun just letting people in the moment at that very time tell their story unedited, right? And, and, and that was the perfect place to do it. I was catching people off guard. Uh, and when I mean that, it's not like I just showed up with a camera in their face, but I would walk up and be like, you know, hey, is your director of marketing here or a VP of sales or somebody that I could do a video with? I want to talk about your product. And and most people had somebody there and said yes. And, and that's really what it was. I just said, I'm going to go and do this. I want to take this to the next level. I think there's really a, a, an opportunity to help grow our industry in a way that nobody else is doing it and have a lot of fun doing it because, you know, people are so interesting. I think it's probably why you do your podcast as well. There's, there's just something magical about what happens when you get somebody on the phone or on a video and, and, and what they put out there. And when I sit back and I watch the video uh, after I'm done in the evenings, you know, sometimes it's, it's just amazing to me. It's amazing to me how good people are on video. It's not that hard. You just got to be yourself and put it out there. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. And you're right. It is why I love doing the podcast. It's you're basically saying, saying my thoughts back to me right now because it's, it's the same sort of thing. And it's it's funny for a few reasons because I've found it doesn't matter how big the person is, right, or the title that they wear. I should say, not the person. How big the title is, at the end of the day, they're still a person. And you're going. I've had CEO and business owner types be so nervous and second guessing. And I spend half an hour coaching them up before I hit record and then they nail it and love it and had a bunch of fun and learned, felt like they learned something about themselves on the phone call, um, in the process, which is always great too. And it's just funny because people don't, it's almost like you stop thinking of other people as people, right? We project all these other things onto them and forget that at the end of the day, we're all very similar and have the same insecurities and, fears and anxieties, all the things, uh, there's really no need to, to worry. You know, like you said, you could say, just do it afraid or just, you know, be a, be be a person, right? Like do it scared, be a person. And cause people identify with it. Like you, like you've mentioned. They, they do, you know, and I, I have the same sentiments. You know, I've had some pretty big CEOs on in the home building industry and financial industry. And I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than, than Craig Morgan, who's a, you know, country star, and it, it, everybody has their insecurities, you know, but that's that's what makes them real. Right. And I think when people see that those types of things happening live on camera, unedited, 
it's interesting and it's fun to watch and it's great to see that it's not somebody just making them look good they're putting it out there and most of them are so down to earth and so friendly and so kind at least and that i've been finding that you start you don't look at people the same way would you say like, i don't look at a ceo of a big fortune 500 company the same way as i used to uh, they yeah they make a lot of money they have a lot of responsibility but when it really comes down to the to the brass tacks they are they put their pants on one leg at a time just like you and I yeah I would totally agree with that and I've described it in other conversations where it's almost like it's like the gift of the ultimate confidence when you realize that it's like being handed a key that unlocks every door right like just having that own confidence in yourself and your abilities, whether it's with a camera or a microphone or, you know, you're not recording anything. You're just being you in that moment. Not, not like it's so not to equate this to the military, but it it almost reminds me of what you said, where there's stuff exploding around you. It could be the stuff that are, you know, men and women in arms have to deal with, or it could be like emotions exploding around you. Right. But you don't pay attention to that. You laugh to yourself and chuckle and focus on what you got to do because you've trained for it. You know, I, I think about, Malcolm Gladwell and the books I've read of his and the idea of, you know, putting in your 10,000 hours until you become an expert. And that's really what it kind of boils down to. But when you become an expert in conversation or interviewing or just understanding people, that's everything in your life is under is people. (laughs) So when you unlock that, everything kind of opens up to you, which is really a fun and exciting thing to realize. And then it makes everything way more enjoyable. Well, it does because your confidence levels, you know, that much higher because you know, they're real people. And the fact that most people are afraid to approach some of these people, uh, it, it just, it, it, yes, it's good for the confidence, but at the same time, it's, it's just what makes you good at what you do, right? You, you're comfortable and you can get them comfortable to have a down to earth conversation, uh, with, with, with no hidden agenda. And that's, what's fun about it. So, yeah, and I think you touched on something there. It's making them comfortable because it's got to be uncomfortable for them for people to look at them as not a person, just a title, right? So when you can relate to them, it allows them to let their guard down and just exhale a little bit and not feel like they have to be a character or put on a show. And then you get that little tidbit that they haven't given somebody else and it just makes your stuff that much more unique. Yeah, it does. It, it really does. So, Absolutely. I, I, I love doing it. You know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. That's why I'm doing so much of it. And, and just really, I'm chasing this dream now. Uh, you know, I think there's chapters in our lives that we go through and, you know, I'm, I'm on a chapter that it just has my blood and, and my energy at such a level that it's so much fun. And I'm, I'm, I, I can't tell you how excited I am about doing the whole vlogging thing and being on your podcast and, and others. It's, it's just amazing what's been going on. Yeah. Talk about that. Like not, you know, say more than just what's amazing, but yeah. what are some of the things that are happening for you? I mean, what's, what's been the fruit of four years of blood, sweat and tears? You know, it's the unexpected, which is more amazing to me than anything else. And the unexpected is people are reaching out because they want me to tell their story. And that just, that just feels so good, you know, that, that they're interested in, in, in talking to me so they can get what what they're doing out there, knowing that I'm not going to edit it. I'm not there to throw anybody under the bus. I'm literally there just to say, give me your opinions. Tell me your thoughts. Where do you think this is headed? Uh, in their own words, you know, whether it's a her stories where we're trying to get more women in housing, just you know, which you're part of, or uh, innovation in the industry, how the industry is changing with our labor shortages. So that's a lot of fun. And the reason it's a lot of fun is I really feel that this is something that I can make a difference doing. And, and when I say make a difference, it's just somebody else's words, somebody else's stories. I've just found a way to put a, put a platform together for that word to get out there. So that, that's really a fun thing. The other, the other side of fun, you know, because every hobby doesn't pay the bills is the marketing side of this, there are people now reaching out that want to, you know, want for me to be an ambassador for them at the trade shows. Hey, come to the trade show, interview our customers, uh, you know, tell our story. So that's a lot of fun. And then there's just, the, you know, the other things that are coming out. I have 
I have other builders that want to know what kind of equipment I use. How can they get into vlogging? You know, what do they need to do? What I did, and and it the list just goes on and on and on. But you know, the coaching, whether it's for home building or for the video. Um, so when I say it, it's 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 kind of fun and exploding and and just really has me revved up. There's just so many things happening that are so cool, and all of it is about me having the opportunity to help somebody. Yeah, and to me. That's the greatest feeling in the world. It's not the money. You need the money to pay the bills for sure, right? But the satisfaction of watching somebody succeed, whether it's with doing their first video or telling their story after, like you said, they were so nervous to do it, or bringing more women into the housing industry because they're needed and it starts happening, that's, that's I think, what gets my blood boiling and gets me excited because it, the busy work's busy work. But when you're in those, when you get those moments of complete joy from somebody and, and they thank you, that, that's what it's all about to me. Yeah, it's really, you have the busy work and everything you just described then isn't work. You know, that's where passion comes in and it's like your calling that you get to fulfill. And that's, that's great. You know, I'm happy for you that you found it and because so many people haven't. And the fact that you're almost reinventing yourself to a certain extent uh, not that you're an old man, but you're older <laughs> than some. I know, I know. But you know, you mentioned here you've had careers that have spanned, you know, decades. And so most people get stuck in that rut. You know, it's been a couple decades. I can't do anything else. This is all I do. You know, the, the fact right. that you, you know, if you were doing it scared, you know, no one really knew. And then it's just awesome that you can do that. I think more people need to realize that that life is a continuous thing that that we control that doesn't happen to us we can affect it any way that we want to it's just making the decision to pursue what brings you that level of joy that you just talked about it is you know it's it's a mental thing right um you know you talk about some of the things the military's given me i still get up and work out in the morning i go for runs i do burpees my kids and i we try and see who can outdo each other in push-ups um, i typically have one of them on my back <laughs> You know, and, and I'm not that old. I'm in my mid forties, later forties, you know, but, uh, my mind's not old. And, and I think that's the other fun thing. You know, I, I literally can keep up with the 20 year olds in this business just on a technology basis. And, and I have fun with that as well. It, it's all, it's all a mental game, right? If, if you want to act old and think you're old, well, then you're going to be old, right? If you're going to, if you're going to act young, keep your mind fresh, do things that make you uncomfortable. So you keep learning, then you're going to stay young and your body's going to stay young. Your mind's going to stay young and you're not going to be scared to take those chances and risks because you're putting yourself out there already every single day. And I think that those are the most successful people that I've ever seen are the ones that don't just stop. They keep going and they find new things to invigorate them, whether it's intentional or in my case, I just kind of walked my way into this and found something that I love. Yeah, I relate to that so much because I feel like I'm doing the same thing. And I think you talk about putting yourself out there and you mentioned it briefly and the people that listen to my podcast have heard me talk about, you know, that phrase, her stories. And that's a project that we're working on together along with the Housing Innovation Alliance. But that's what I'm thinking of right now is that's a perfect example of just putting yourself out there. It was at that Craig Morgan event at the House of Blues in Las Vegas at like midnight, right? With each of us had a crown royal in our hands or something, right? We were just... (laughs) We were just shooting the shit with Betsy from the Housing Alliance, and she just threw out, I think almost on a whim, that she's had this idea for a while about highlighting women. And you and I both looked at each other, and it's like, well, he has a podcast, I have video, and vice versa. Like, should we just do this? You know, let's just do it. We have no idea what it is, but we could do this. And then the next morning, we had lunch, I think, and framed it out. And then it was like a week or two later, we were off to the races and it's sort of evolved as it's as, we, as we've done it but that's just a perfect example we could have hemmed and hawed and thought about it and mapped it out and planned it out till we were blue in the face and never actually pulled the trigger but it's just taking action and putting yourself out there making yourself uncomfortable like you said and you grow it, it is like working out right you have to rip that muscle for it to build back bigger you got to be a little bit sore and that's how you know you're growing. It's the same thing with your mental abilities or your, 
you know, the social situations, businesses you're building, whatever it is. Yeah, it really, it really truly is. And uh, not the not the Harper and the Her stories, but it, it has been a wonderful thing to do. And it's been a lot of fun interviewing some of these ladies that, uh, you know, like some some are at the highest level of CEOs and, you know, all the way down to, you know, people like you and I. Right. Marketing worlds, doing vlogs in the field, whatever the case is and in the housing industry. And it, it's it's pretty inspiring speaking to them because, you know, there's this misconception um, that, you know, women can't be in our industry of housing and it's, and it's just the opposite. And when you hear from the, from the women that are in the industry, it's amazing how happy and how proud they are to be in this industry and the way they're encouraging other women to come into the industry. So that's just one of those things that you learn because you wouldn't think that you would think, oh, it's construction, bunch of, you know, men whistling, you know, women as they walk by, blah, 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 blah. But it, but it's really not that way anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it is in some places, you know. But, but for the most part, that that's what I've learned from it, and I think it's just it's a wonderful story to get out there, and it's a lot of fun to do it with these with these women. It is, and I've I've learned a lot too because I know I've been guilty of some of the stereotypes, right? Like you feel like if you're in housing, you have to be swinging a hammer. But you know, I talked to a lobbyist recently. You know, she's in Washington D.C. reading thousands upon thousands of legal briefs to about the actual policy changes that affect the mortgage rates we have on our house. You know, there's just so many different angles and ways to be a part of the conversation that go way beyond, you know, slinging drywall. <laughs> so I think oh, it it's does. something most people don't think of. And that's true for housing or any industry, really. So it's, it's a great conversation to be a part of for sure. Yeah, no, no, it is. It really is. And all over a couple glasses of Crown Royal with Craig Morgan, man, that's how I did it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's what I love about that, you know, as I reflect on that night and everything that's happened from it. It's like, what if I had decided to just be a bum and sit in my hotel room, right? We didn't know each other all that well beforehand. We were acquaintances, and then we spent a solid, what was that, like four or five hours in the wee, the wee morning of the next day in Las Vegas, and then yeah. a great partnership has come out of it. And so, again, it's harping back on putting yourself out there. That's really with so many things come down to it, 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 it does. And, and I, I encourage, you know, myself, even your listeners, you got to keep doing it right. If, if you're not feel if you're not feeling uncomfortable, then you're not putting yourself out there to take new chances and to learn new things. You know, right. that's, that's the important thing. And that's a feeling I've kind of learned to embrace. It's, I guess it's kind of a little bit like an athlete. You get nervous before you do it. I still get nervous before I go live on videos with cuss, you know, with people or CEOs, but not the nervous to where I can't function, but I get, the, I get the butterflies of excitement going, but that's where the energy comes from, you know, during the interview. And I think that's also what pumps people up. But I, I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep doing it and you gotta keep doing it scared. And, uh, I, I it, it'll take people to a whole new level if they try it. Sure. I totally agree. Following that, you know, that idea where, where are you going to make yourself uncomfortable next? right? What's the next evolution of uh, Dave Cooper Live where you're going to be growing those marketing muscles of yours? Sure. Well, you know, the newest thing for me that's uncomfortable is all these opportunities coming coming my way, right? I'm trying to feel my way through being asked to be on board seats at some of these startup companies and other formal companies that are coming into the business. I don't have a Wall Street background. I get these documents and, you know, with all these words on it. So, there's some uncomfortable there, but I think the biggest uncomfortable coming up is, is, you know, the speaking engagements for me. You know, we, I have the big speaking engagement at the tech bites in, in Las Vegas this year, you know, and I don't know the size of the crowd that's going to be there, but I know it's probably going to be one of the bigger ones I've ever had the opportunity to present in front. So I, that would definitely be a place where I'm kind of putting myself out there because in front of a camera by myself or with somebody, that's one thing. But being stared at by a couple hundred people or a thousand people or whatever it may or may not be, um, well, that's a whole nother thing. So I think that's probably my biggest next thing of putting myself out there is uh, just trying to work my way through the opportunities. But the biggest one is making sure I'm prepared for that speech. Yeah. Well, just hold a camera in front of your face the whole time and you'll be good. 
<laughs> well, you know what I thought about. I thought about that. I figured I'd do a live vlog as my as, my, as my speech for everybody, <laughs> and then have your face up on the screen so they see what your camera phone sees or something. That'd be funny. Yeah, right, right, for sure, for sure. So, but it is fun. You know, I'll tell you a story. Even this morning, the, well, the last three mornings, I have been on uh, video calls with you know people from around the world, and a guy I spoke to this morning was from Estonia. Huh. Right, you know, right outside of Russia, I used to, I guess, they annexed from Russia what twenty five years ago, and and whether it's true or not, so I got a fact checked. It, I had no idea they were one of the largest exports of offsite and modular housing in the world. Hmm. Did you know that? I had no idea. No, I mean it's the most amazing thing in the world what they're doing and the quality of what they're doing. So, um, I just thought that was a little bit of a tidbit. This is kind of what the vlogging and putting yourself out there has done. It's just. I'm I'm learning every day things that I had no idea. And, and I've been in this industry like yourself, but I've been in it for 18, 19 years. I had no idea that it was even happening there in that small little country. And it's not, I think it's like less than 2 million people in the whole country. Wow. Wow. So yeah. Pretty cool. Well, that makes me think of, have you heard that quote that you're the, you know, the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Have you heard that quote no, before? I have not. You're the average of the most people you spend the time with? Yeah, so you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Okay. So, like, cool. yeah, I love that quote. And I think Jim Rohn first said it, um, okay. you know, one of the original motivational speakers. But that just popped into my head while you're talking about talking to somebody in Estonia. To me, that's a really cool thing about what we're doing as well is most people, the five people they spend the most time with, are in their immediate geographic area. Even with social media, a lot of it's not a true interaction. It's like, you know, you're following somebody. You're not truly interacting with them when you hit like on their photo on Instagram. But putting yourself out there the way you do, you're actually on the phone with someone in Estonia. And let's say you hit it off with that guy and you're talking to him once a week. Well, he could be one of those five people you're spending the most time with. And now you're just drawing from all these resources and you're going to grow from it more than you ever would have without again, putting yourself out there like we've been talking about. So that's, that's really neat. Well, you know, you are, and you know, here's, I'll give you a good takeaway for your listeners. Um, personal brand, whether you're a home builder, whether you own a coffee shop, you work for a corporation, no matter what you're doing, you know, doing the vlogging, doing a podcast, being a blogger, putting yourself out there, writes a resume for you. Right. Because that's really what the, the videos have done for me. It's kind of just my, my resume is out there. I will never have to give somebody a paper resume ever in my life because the story's out there. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. No matter what industry you're in, you can talk about what you do. You can put yourself out there, put your thoughts out there, put your ideas out there. And it becomes the biggest resume that you could ever imagine. And people get to know you without even knowing you. Um, and, and you're right. You know, you, you, you made that quote, but you, you become who you become when you're interviewing, when you're, when you're putting your thoughts out there and you take that step to do it scared, as I say, uh, it, it makes a huge difference in the world and it makes a huge difference in the opportunities that it's going to present for people. Yeah. I love that. And so this theme of advice that you're really giving everybody is do it scared. You know, don't overthink it. Just do it even when you're scared. Was there a piece of advice that you were given as you embarked on any one of these chapters in your life that still really sticks with you, you know, throughout your day-to-day today that you could share with us? Well, you know, well, getting into the videos, I had somebody just like me saying it, do it scared, saying to me, you have to do this. And I was arguing, I'm not doing it. She kept saying, you have to do it. I said, I'm not doing this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, cause I was scared to put a camera in front of my face and do it live, you know, just like everybody else, you know, I cared what people thought about me. Uh, but when I found out people didn't care as much as I thought they cared about, you know, me making a fool of myself as they, they wanted to hear more from me. Um, that's kind of where the do it scared. I think in my life in general, just like when I joined the army, that was the first step of, you know, taking a shot at something that was an unknown where you walk in, they take everything from you, they shave your head. And I'll never forget. I sat down next to my wall locker that night and I, w- I, w- I wouldn't have said it back then. I put my hand in, you know, my head in my hands and I actually cried, shaking my head saying, what in the hell did I do? Cause you, you, know, I felt like my life was over. 
Yeah. You know, you just, they, they stripped you of everything. And, um, well, it was just the opposite. It was the beginning of my life. And, and I think that's part of it. I just, I've always learned to take something that makes me nervous or makes me fearful. And I, 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 there's always another side to it, but you're not going to get to that other side unless you take the journey. And if, if you don't take the journey, then you live a life of, well, what if, and I just refuse to live that life of what if. So, uh, I, to answer your question, it was that first step into the military and somebody slamming something different down my throat day in and day out for, for 60, 90 days at boot camp, And then, you know, for months and months at, you know, my advanced training in the medical <clears throat> that I, that when I got out of that, I had so much pride and the transformation was so wonderful. I think I just learned from that experience that, you know what, I put myself out there and look what happened. And I just try and continue to do that. I love that. I'm going to take that little tidbit with me for sure. And damn it, Dave, you might have me start doing video. Just I need one more thing to do. Hey, listen, we'll do it together. Yeah, right? that'd be fun. Actually, yeah. I've started to do more on my stories on social media, um, which is the beginnings of video. Because I noticed when I was in Minnesota and I was doing a bunch of like documenting my trip in the city, right? it was getting hundreds and hundreds of more views than I even had followers on Instagram doing those stories. And so I've started to do some more of that so we'll see you'll drag me into the video game hey you you got to start somewhere hey you know what the great thing about the video is miles what it also records there you go yeah yeah you get a two for one in your world yep absolutely so i I think i think it's wonderful you know but of course i'm an advocate of it and you know i I know how to do it if you want any help (laughs) yeah well thank you (laughs) probably will at some point perfect perfect so a question I ask everybody, and it's one of my favorite questions. That's why I ask it to everybody because it gets people thinking, you know, of everything we've talked about so far, different chapters you've had in your life from, you know, doing it scared and, and beyond, how would you summarize your life and your journey so far in just three words? Yeah, I've been saying that all night, but it's definitely do it scared. Do it scared. Don't be, yeah, I mean, listen. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and take chances. You'd be very surprised at how people feel about you and what the results are. You know, I saw some of your videos, Miles, when you were doing your trip and putting it up there, you know, and it was just you being you, right? I think there was one you were on a bike going across a bridge or something. Yeah, I was on a scooter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so who in their minds would have thought that was interesting, but I ended up sitting there watching it and I saw the likes and the views. And so right it's just people are interested in people so you know don't 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 sit on your couch don't don't just load up on potato chips get off your butt get out there do it if there's something you want to go after go after it because if you don't you'll you it's it's like gary v says go to an old folks home and ask all the old people you know what they wish they did and 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 it's going to be the same story over and over again and that's that's you they should have taken more chances in doing what they wanted to do that was the regrets so that's why I say do it scared. I want to I want to go. I want to make it to home plate with, you know, blood on my ass, you know, from sliding in, <laughs> barely making it and, and having fun doing it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So there you have it. That's that's my three words. Do it scared. I love that. That could be the first Dave Cooper live T-shirt. You like it? Instead of yeah. doing instead of doing it live, Dave Cooper live, you just say do it scared. Right. Well, hey, I listen. like it. Put it out there and uh, I'll, I'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. so. Well, I'd like to end this after I've put you through the gauntlet to see if, give you a couple questions that you can ask me. If there's anything you're curious about, I'll give you the power of the host position here and you can fire away a couple. Yeah. So does everybody know how you got started in doing a podcast and why you started doing a podcast? Um, I don't know if everyone does. I've certainly talked about it before. Do you know? That's, that's I, 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 yeah, I don't okay. know. Why, why, why did all of a sudden you decide to, you know, hey, I'm going to be the guy behind the scenes doing sure. a podcast? So I, this idea was born in November and December of 2017. It was a weird time in my life. We had just sold the first house that we lived in because we were building the house we live in now. But we hit some snags, as you sometimes do with, uh, you know, protests and septic and, you know, all, all the great construction stuff. So we had to move into a, an apartment 
for a couple months because our house ended up selling much faster than we thought, which, you know, it's a good problem to have. And I was able to find a short-term rental with a guy that I actually worked with. So I didn't have to sign a lease or anything. He just said, it's yours for as long as you need it, which was great because at that time, my wife happened to be eight months pregnant. So here we are about to have a baby, no house in, in like a one bedroom apartment, no TV, no internet, because we're only supposed to be there for a month, but it turns into like three months. And I was just listening to a lot of podcasts. I was walking the dog a lot because she was going crazy in this one bedroom apartment and was really being a pest in my, you know, I didn't want to knock my wife over. So I was trying to tire her out. So I spent a lot of time walking the streets, listening to podcasts and people like Tony Robbins and Gary Vee and all the, all the big names in self-improvement and business and things like that. And I listened to enough in such a short amount of time that I just got the bug and loved it and was just like, okay, I could totally do this. Like there's gotta be a way, like there's so many podcasts out there when you go into any app, it's like not all these guys are professionals. There's gotta be a way. So I started researching it and started coming up with the idea and basic questions and how I'd frame out the show. And then to take your three words, just did it scared, just got the stuff and just started doing it. And then made the commitment to myself and said it enough times to the world on this thing that I was going to do one episode a week. And, you know, here we are. I think this episode's going to be close to the 90s that yours is going to be. Wow. Big. So it's, I'm almost at 100, which is great. Most podcasts don't make it past seven. So it was really for no other reason than I liked podcasts. I like listening to them. And I figured I could, I had something to say and I had an idea that I thought, had legs and I could do for 90 plus episodes. So I was just going to try it and see what happened. And if it took off great. And if it didn't, it could be a little audio time capsule of this point in my life. And here I am two years later and not to the extent that you are, but things are starting to take off, right? I've had some speaking engagements and some other interesting opportunities come my way recently that I never, ever would have even thought was possible if it wasn't for me talking to people and putting it out there. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. My last question, tell, tell us something that you haven't told anybody before on your podcast or even me, tell us something we don't know about you. Oh, that's a great question. See, I got to do video and you got to do a podcast, Dave, throwing questions like that. (laughs) Something that nobody knows about me. That's going to be a hard one because I've, I've been very open on these things when people have asked me questions, um, that you don't know about me might be better. What don't you know about me? I'm pretty open with you too. Okay, well, I don't know if you know this. Did you know that I sang the national anthem at a minor league baseball game in my full Eagle Scout uniform when I was a senior in high school? (laughs) No, I I would not have known that. (laughs) That's pretty cool that you were an Eagle Scout, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was a funny thing. Again, putting yourself out there. Right. It was a it was a last minute thing. They had somebody that canceled and they needed someone to right. sing the national anthem. And it was somebody it was scout night. So the Cub Scouts were going to be camping on the field after the game. So they really wanted an Eagle Scout to sing the national anthem. So that really narrowed their, you know, pool of candidates. And I had just auditioned for and, and got a part in the quartet of choir that I was in, because I was in choir in high school to sing that sang the national anthem at our graduation. And so I had the video of me singing in that quartet at graduation and submitted that and they picked me. And so in front of 10,000 people with my face up on the Jumbotron, full on uniform, sing the national anthem. So that was pretty wild, terrifying moment, but I did it and it was cool. Yeah, that is terrifying for that being as young as you were. So then I guess that means that you're going to sing for your audience in the next podcast. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, that's not what you're hearing. Um, <laughs> but I certainly could. I'm not afraid to. I just, uh, I don't think that's what people tune in for. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. No, I love it. I love it. You're, you're a lot of fun. And I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy that our paths have, have crossed for sure. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Well, this has been fun. I appreciate your time. I know it's late and you've had a long day shuttling the kids around from hockey and and whatnot. So appreciate you carving it out and look forward to seeing what people think of Mr. Dave Cooper. Yeah, I I appreciate it as well. And uh, I look forward to some follow-up videos and follow-up podcasts and more her stories. And uh, I wish you uh, all the success, Miles. You're doing a great job. Keep doing it. Thank you. 
All right, that's a wrap for this week's episode of Relish the Journey. Very special thanks to Dave Cooper for being our guest, for sharing all the stories. I love this one and that idea of doing it scared because as I reflect on this conversation and memories with just Dave, but then even even more so in my life, that's such a great theme and a great model to live by and one that I've followed sometimes and other times where I've been just scared and haven't done it and then regret it. So I encourage you all as you listen to this and are thinking, just do it scared. Do what Dave says and do it scared. So for more of Dave Cooper and what he's doing, follow him at davecooper.live. That is his website. There you will find links to his videos, his social media channels, and a way to get in touch with him. Again, that is davecooper.live. Until next time, everyone, cheers.